0: Friends, if we are going to think about the subject of modesty, then we must begin with the gospel. We must begin with what Christ has done. For only the gospel has the power to transform self-seeking, idolatrous rebels into modest men and women who desire to glorify God. What a joy to be found in Him, our living head and clothed with righteousness divine. Friends, this afternoon, it is my aim to address Christian women. And I want you to know that it is my desire to do this with a profound awareness of the holiness of our Savior and His eternal love for His sheep. I want to cover similar ground as I did for the men last week, and even follow a similar outline, but what I really want to do is to emphasize the beauty of Christian modesty, the beauty of Christian modesty. Sisters, it is my prayer that you will leave here today in awe of the beauty and glory of your Savior, that you will leave here eager to pursue modesty. And brothers, I I trust that you too will be helped by what you hear today so that you can lovingly lead your wives and shepherd your daughters. So please keep your Bibles open and be prepared to turn to several passages of Scripture as we consider the subject of Christian modesty. But before we do that, as always, let's ask the Lord for His help. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in the words of the psalmist. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Father, would you now open our eyes to see the beauty and the glory of our Savior? Capture our hearts with His splendor and loveliness that we would desire to glorify Him in our thoughts and speech and actions and attire. Transform us into the likeness of His beauty. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace, was once concerned that pastors in his time tended to avoid speaking about a particular topic. This is what Newton said. Few ministers touch upon this subject in their public discourses, and indeed, it is not very easy to treat it with propriety from the pulpit. Guess what topic he was referring to? He was referring to the subject of modesty in Christian women. Newton wrote, there are some ministers who avoid this, yet whatever is unsuitable to the Christian profession, whatever is an inlet to temptation and productive of evil consequences, should in some way or other be dealt with by those who have the honor of the gospel and the welfare of their fellow creatures at heart. And so, beloved, it is really a privilege and honor to speak about this because it is a gospel matter. Sisters, the reason you should care about this topic is because you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. By grace, you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Or as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20, You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And that includes your desires, your demeanor, and your dress. You glorify Him through your desires, your demeanor, and your dress. But before we consider those things, let me first remind you what Christian modesty is. So let's think about a definition. Point number one, a definition. Let's review its definition. A biblical definition of Christian modesty boils down to two things. Two things. Number one, modesty is a matter of the heart. We see that in 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 to 10. Paul writes, "'Women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control.'" Not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Women who have been changed by the gospel of grace ought to be deeply concerned about godliness. A modest heart is a heart that is responsive to the gospel. It is a believing heart, a heart that rightly fears the God of the gospel the modest heart is a heart that recognizes what is shameful before god and what is not it is a heart that submits to the word of christ it is a heart that knows its true identity in christ and responds in humility and awe secondly point number 2 a modest heart manifests itself in behavior that is befitting of the gospel In other words, a woman who has a modest heart speaks and acts and dresses in a way that glorifies her Savior. Everything about her, the way she carries herself, her gestures, her words, and her attire reflects and reveals a heart that loves her Savior. And so we can define modesty in this way. Look at page 6 in your bulletins. You'll find three definitions there, page 6. Firstly, Christian modesty. Christian modesty is the disposition of a heart that rightly fears the God of the gospel and desires to glorify him in thought and speech, action and attire. On the other hand, immodesty is self-seeking, self-serving and sinful. Look at that definition of immodesty by Peace and Keller. Immodesty is an attitude of the heart that expresses itself with inappropriate words, actions, expressions, and or clothes that are flirtatious, manipulative, revealing, or suggestive of sensuality or pride. Those are the two things that modesty boils down to. It's a matter of a heart, and it's a heart that reveals itself through words and behavior and dress. Ladies, modesty fears God and glorifies Him. Immodesty glorifies self. Point number two, let's think about desires. Desires. A modest heart, according to the Scriptures, is a thing of beauty. And a modest heart has beautiful desires. So, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Likewise, says Peter, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Peter is making the point that a Christian woman's behavior her respectful and pure conduct does make an impact on her husband for the good. So this is about behavior that is befitting of a woman who professes Christ. Look at verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious beloved this passage is similar to 1 Timothy 2 verses 8 to 9 that passage that we saw last week see like Paul Peter is not saying don't braid your hair or don't wear gold jewelry that's not what he's saying if that were the case then he's also saying in verse 3 don't wear clothes right To read it like that would be to bend all the rules of grammar and ignore the context. No, like 1 Timothy 2, Peter is saying, ladies, what are you drawing attention to? If you are going to be a faithful disciple of Christ, then let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. You cannot miss that connection between the dress and the heart. How do you adorn yourself, how you adorn yourself ought to draw attention to the hidden person of the heart, this heart that possesses the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And that's very precious to God. Sisters, a gentle spirit is a humble spirit, is a humble heart. And a quiet spirit is a well-ordered heart, a self-controlled heart. To be gentle and quiet doesn't mean That you're shy and you don't talk a lot. That's not what it means. No, this is a description of a heart that rightly fears God and desires to obey Him. It is a heart that is not tossed to and fro by the desires of the flesh or the desires of the world. It is a heart that is not tossed to and fro. It's not a chaotic heart, a heart full of disorder, tossed by sinful emotions, No, it is a quiet heart. It is at rest in Christ. And Peter says, that is a beautiful thing. That is a thing of beauty, imperishable beauty. Beauty that does not age, beauty that does not fade. Ladies, don't be lured and fooled by worldly definitions and cultural standards of beauty. Don't look to the supermodels, the pop princesses, or the provocative actresses of our day to understand beauty and attractiveness. No, look to God. God Himself is the standard, the perfection, and the very definition of true beauty. And that means, listen carefully, that means that when a woman is godly, she is beautiful. She is beautiful sisters when you think about when you think of growing in godliness when you think of sanctification think biblically about it pursuing godliness is pursuing the kind of beauty that god loves to grow in holiness is to become more like your savior who is altogether lovely and altogether beautiful you know there are several images that are used to describe the nature of the church one of them Is very masculine. We are a royal priesthood. You've heard that image, imagery. And that's a great image. We need that image to help us both men and women understand that we have been brought into the very presence of God. We are called to serve Him by offering Him spiritual sacrifices. And under the new covenant, that simply means that we are called to the obedience of faith. But there's also another image but this one's very feminine. The church is the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, we are called to grow in the imperishable beauty of Christ's likeness. Ladies, the gospel story is a story of God's eternal love that takes us from ugliness, to beauty. The story of creation tells us how God created men and women in His own image, not out of a need, but out of an overflow of His generous love. We were beautifully made and given a beautiful purpose to exercise loving dominion and to glorify God by filling the earth. But mankind rebelled against God. We exchanged the truth about God's loveliness and His beautiful intentions for a lie. Adam and Eve sinned and we were no longer able to appreciate the beauty of God's Word or desire it. And friends, this is the state of all human beings. We are sinners who stand under the judgment of a holy God for despising His beautiful Word and embracing the ugliness of sin. Our sin, our rejection of God's holy beauty has blinded us to true beauty. And we embrace instead all that is hideous and opposed to God's holy beauty. You see, sin is nothing but ugliness disguised as beauty. It's ugliness disguised as beauty. We are blind to the beauty of God, so we pursue whatever is beautiful in our own eyes. And we pursue ugliness because we're blind sinners. But God... Those are the two two most beautiful words in all of Scripture. But God, because of the great love with which He loved us, He sent us His Son, the perfection of beauty. He sent us His Son to rescue ugly and hideous sinners and to transform them into the beauty of His image. Sisters, the story of redemption is the story of Jesus the bridegroom who seeks out an adulterous, lewd, and immoral bride. Romans 5 eight tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, Jesus didn't look for a bride like most men do today. He didn't look for the most attractive bride because there were none. There is none beautiful, no, not one. No one understands true beauty. No one seeks the God of beauty. They have all turned aside and they have become hideous and beastly. You see, every woman on this planet is marred by the ugliness of her sin, is marred by the consequences of sin. Friends, we were by no means attractive or beautiful, yet the Son of God veiled His glory He entered into our depraved and deformed world in the person of Jesus Christ. And the world was not impressed. The world was not impressed. Isaiah 53 verses 2 to 3. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one, get this, from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Do you know what we did? We rejected that which was supremely beautiful. That's how blind we are. And yet Jesus demonstrated His love for sinners by dying the most hideous of all deaths. He died on the cross, taking the ugliness of our sins upon Himself so that we could be clothed with the beautiful robes of His righteousness. If you believe in this good news of God's love, then you have been healed of your blindness. Jonathan Edwards described the new birth, being born again, as a decisive awakening to divine beauty. You see, to be a Christian woman is to know what is truly beautiful. It is to know Christ, the King in all his beauty and to be enraptured with his beautiful voice in the scriptures. To know his word, to trust it and obey it. To grow in holiness, to become more Christ-like. You see, for Edwards to become sanctified was to become beautified. To define beauty as God defines it, to love the things that he, calls, that he calls beautiful, to desire the things that He finds precious. Sisters, if you are captivated with the love of Christ, then you will pursue modesty because that's true beauty. Jesus loved you while you were unlovely, yet He washed you, He cleansed you, He has given you His Spirit. And listen, nothing can separate you from His love or snatch you away from Him. Sisters, in Him, you are loved with an everlasting love. In Him, you are safe and secure. In Him, you are nourished and cherished. In Him, you have a glorious future. He's always with you. He delights in you. His banner over you is love, and He calls you beloved. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and not even death can separate you from Him. If you are captivated by His splendor and beauty, then you will find godliness beautiful. The church is the bride of Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven two that the church is betrothed to Christ. And she awaits the day when Jesus will return. And on that day, there will be a great wedding celebration, the marriage of the Lamb. Until that day, the bride is called to prepare herself, to beautify herself, to put off all that is ugly and put on all that is beautiful. We are called to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the bridegroom himself, get this, is personally involved in the beautification of his bride through his spirit. He does this so that he might present the church, his bride, to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish, not even a hint of ugliness. So that one day she will be beautiful beyond compare. If you're a woman who does not know Jesus, let me tell you, you have been looking for beauty and significance in all the wrong places. No, turn from the ugliness of your sins and put your trust in Him. He can cleanse you, forgive you, and make you His own. And on on the authority of God's Word, I can tell you, He will make you beautiful. From the inside, and you will be precious in his sight. Sisters, pursue the imperishable beauty of a modest heart. Immodesty is ugly, it's grotesque, it's unseemly, it's repulsive, it's hideous, it's beastly. Modesty is beautiful, it is elegant. It's exquisite, it's lovely, it's graceful, it's delightful, it is radiant, it is absolutely stunning and it is very precious in God's sight. See, a modest heart has beautiful desires, holy desires that are in line with Scripture. And what goes on in your heart will show up in the way you talk and behave and dress. So, ladies, let me ask you this. Are your desires modest or are they worldly? And how can you tell the difference? Well, turn with me to Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers or in this case, sisters, by the mercies of God, that's the gospel, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this is how you do it. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, this is how you nurture modest and beautiful desires. You listen to His beautiful voice in the Scriptures. And when you keep gazing on what is beautiful, what is good and acceptable and pleasing to your Savior, you will learn to recognize ugly, sinful desires and reject them. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.14 that we must not conform to the passions, the desires of our former ignorance. Sisters, this means that you must put off pride, put off sensuality, put off self-seeking. Don't seek to find your identity in external appearances, but in Christ alone. When you think, when you speak, when you act, and when you dress, always do a modesty heart check you know last week after the sermon directed to mainly men a sister came up to me and said i'm a little worried about what you're going to say so i'm going to come fully covered to church but if you're going to dress conservatively in order to receive approval from others you might be modest check your heart Check your heart. Are you trusting in Christ? Then glorify him with your body. What should govern and rule your heart is not the approval or attention of men or the approval of culture, but the lordship of Jesus Christ. Point number three, demeanor. Ladies, this refers to your words and your behavior. Let's think about your words. Do your words make much of the Savior? Are they gracious and pure and edifying? Do they draw attention to the beauty of the Savior? Sisters, modest words are beautiful words. They are grace-filled words that remind others about the transforming love of Christ. Sisters, we are called to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up into Christ. So that the bride of Christ might become more beautiful. Are your words like that? Or do you tear down others with your words? Are you a woman who is known for encouraging others with the word of Christ? Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Ladies, how much time do you give yourself to studying God's Word? Sisters, pursue true beauty so that you might be an instrument of beautification to others. And the words of God are beautiful words. You know, there's an old song that goes like this, Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sisters, give yourself to these words and not meaningless talk. Ladies, are you always interested in the latest gossip? Are you quick to slander your sisters? That's immodesty in action. Do you indulge in explicit and sensual talk which are reflective of an immodest heart? Are you the kind of woman that others feel really uncomfortable talking to because of your immodest words? Are you a manipulative woman who uses people for her own gain? Or are your words filled with comfort and hope? Would someone say of you, after spending time with that dear sister, I have come to love Jesus more? Sisters, are your words kind? A modest heart that fears Christ and knows His loving kindness reveals itself often in words of kindness and compassion. Listen to how the Proverbs 31 woman who fears the Lord is described. Proverbs 31, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Sisters, do you exercise self-control over your desires and your words and your emotions? Are you a woman of discretion? Do you know what to say and when to say it? Or do you spit out the first thing that comes to your mind? Proverbs 13, verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth, or in this case her mouth, preserves her life. She who opens wide her lips comes to ruin. If you blurt out truth, but have no love or discretion, then you are nothing but a lovely instrument that is out of tune, and those sound awful. They sound awful. You might be well-dressed and presentable, but if you don't know how to restrain your tongue, this is what you look like. This is what you look like. Listen to Proverbs 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. I want you to picture that for a moment. Just picture it in your mind. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Consider your behavior. Ladies, what do your actions say about your heart? You know, when Peter talks about what modest and beautiful adornment ought to look like, what that gentle and quiet spirit ought to look like, he gives us an example. So go back to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3 Verse 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. How? By submitting to their own husbands. Submission is a beautiful thing. It reveals the imperishable beauty of a heart that is captivated by Christ. Sisters, are you submissive? To your husband? Are you respectable? Do you respect him? Do you serve other sisters in the body, even at great cost to yourself, because you want to glorify God with your body? Or are you the kind of woman who always wants to be served? Do you post inappropriate pictures of yourself on social media because you want the virtual world to take notice? And like you? Sisters, do you think a pouting selfie glorifies Christ? Is that befitting of a woman who professes godliness? Sisters, examine your motives. Are you a teachable woman? One who acknowledges her sin and longs to be instructed in the beautiful words of life? Is your life characterized by the works of the flesh, by sexual immorality, envy, fits of anger, strife, rivalries, drunkenness, substance abuse, or are you being led by the Spirit, producing the fruit of beauty? Are you confessing sin, killing sin? putting on the beautiful clothes of humility and patience and joy and love and faithfulness and self-control. You know, women can be immodest in subtle ways. One female Christian author writes, women may cover their cleavage and thighs just enough, yet make sure to put on an eye-popping necklace designed to draw compliments. Lovelessly nitpick the immodest clothing choices of weaker Christians, or post a meticulously posed Instagram picture featuring her latest workout or Bible journaling session. Are we dressing immodestly in more subtle ways for accolades, approval, and attention? Sisters, these are good things to think about. You see, a modest woman recognizes that she is not a slave to her culture. She's not a slave to her emotions or to her sinful flesh. She is fiercely and passionately devoted to her Savior and pursues God's calling and God's design for women in the home and in the church and in the world. If married, she works hard at building her home in wisdom, loving her husband and children. She is pure and kind. She is not afraid of trials and evil. If single, she is respectful to her father. She is a model of good works. She serves her church with zeal. She loves to speak of the beauty of Christ. Ladies, does this describe you? Modest women have a gentle and quiet spirit, but don't be deceived. That simply means that they fear God more than men. Such women are formidable. They are not pushovers. They are strong and fierce. They laugh at the days to come because they stand secure in their Savior. Charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain. Mere external beauty, that is. But a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Fathers, raise your daughters to be strong and faithful women who will pursue true beauty. Young men, if you find a woman like this, you would be foolish to let her go. Brothers, I'm talking to you. Single men, do you find godliness beautiful and attractive? Or are your desires more influenced by the world? Thomas Vincent writes that when a young man chases after external beauty, he is being foolish. He writes, the most beautiful body in the world is no better than painted clay, dirt and corruption enclosed in a fair skin, which sickness will cause to look pale and wane. Death will quite mar and spoil, but the beauty of Christ is more transcendent and permanent and therefore a more fit object for your love. Christ is fairer than the children of men. He is all fair without any spot, altogether lovely without any blemish or deformity. Brothers, you need to recalibrate your mind and your heart to recognize true beauty and then become worthy of such beauty. Pursue godliness yourself. Point number four, dress. Ladies, a modest heart also reveals itself in the way you dress. So does an immodest heart. And so I want to break this into two sections, loving God and loving neighbor, loving God and loving your brothers and sisters. Last week, we saw from the scriptures that God has a purpose for our clothes. It is to remind us of our sin. It is to remind us of the gospel covering that we have received in Christ. And it is to point us to a greater covering to come, our resurrection bodies. These truths ought to inform our hearts and the way we dress. So sisters, what do your clothes reveal about your heart? Does it reveal a heart that is pursuing true beauty? Or does it reveal a heart that is pursuing Worldly beauty? Does your wardrobe reflect that you give attention to your sin and shame? That you give attention to the beauty of the gospel and the righteousness of Christ? Or do your clothes reflect a heart that is rebellious and ugly? Does your clothing reflect Scripture's teaching that your less presentable parts need to be covered? That the intimate aspects of your body need to be covered because of a rightful understanding of shame and reverence before God? Or do you expose the alluring parts of your body to draw attention to yourself? Sisters, are you mindful of the way you conduct yourself in public and in private? In Isaiah chapter 3, Isaiah speaks of the proud daughters of Zion walking around, looking with lustful intent, trying to gain the attention of men with their expensive clothes and jewelry and the Lord pronounces judgment on them for doing that. Think carefully about your clothing. Sisters, if parts of your clothing are transparent, especially closer to private and less presentable areas, then you need to ask yourself, is this really God's design for my clothes? Sisters, please be careful about tight or transparent clothing that emphasizes or draws attention to the intimate parts of your body. Ask yourself, am I adorning myself with respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. Remember that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are blood-bought and very precious. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Do it always. You don't stop glorifying God just because it's your wedding day or just because you're at the beach. Sisters, every clothing design, reflects the heart of the designer. Mary Quant, the inventor of the miniskirt, said that the purpose of her design was to make illicit sex more available in the afternoon. Miniskirts, she said, and I quote, are symbolic of those girls who want to seduce a man. Ladies, it is an immodest heart, a heart of pride that seeks to dismiss what God says about sin and shame and then moves to uncover the body. It is a self-seeking and self-serving heart that aims to reveal what should not be revealed in order to grab the attention of men, to appear sexually attractive, desirable to men. A woman who does that is like a pig that splashes loudly in the gutter, wanting to be noticed, but do you know what you'll attract? You'll only attract other pigs, ungodly men. You know, Some women might say, I do this to feel good about myself, I'm beautiful, I'm not ashamed of my body. Well, that's not the point of clothes, is it? The point of clothes is not to feel good about yourself, but to glorify God with your body. Yes, we are beautifully and wonderfully made, but the God who is beautiful, has wonderful purposes for our bodies. He wants us to glorify Him, to remember the gospel. It's not about you. You know, that sort of objection comes from a self seeking heart that dismisses what scripture says about sin and shame and the gospel. That woman is not thinking with a mind that is captivated with divine beauty, but with a mind that is captivated with the world. Think about. Loving others. Sisters, a heart that desires to glorify God will be mindful of others. Will be mindful of others. You see, a modesty heart check must pass the test of faith, but it must also pass the test of love. I'm not saying you are responsible for the sins of others, but you shouldn't be a source of temptation either. It does not glorify God if you're not mindful and caring of others. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, don't become a stumbling block for others. Remember, your brothers and sisters are people for whom Christ died. This means that after you have carefully considered and examined your heart and you know that your heart is in the right place and your clothing reflects a modest heart, then there are three simple ways you can regulate or even limit your Christian freedom for the sake of love. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Here are three ways you can regulate your clothing choices, once you have thought through how to glorify God. So all of this comes under the rubric of modesty. Number one, think about culture. Now, this does not mean that culture should dictate your clothing. If you find yourself evangelizing a tribe of people who are completely stark naked, that doesn't mean you cast off your clothes just because you want to fit in. No, that is a culture that has been numbed by sin, We're not talking about immodesty. We're talking about being in the realm of modesty and then limiting your freedom. Let's say you attend a church in a culture where women wear long skirts instead of jeans. You can be modest and wear a skirt. You can be modest and wear a pair of jeans. But you might want to consider for the sake of love to wear a skirt so that you don't draw attention to yourself. Just be mindful of that. Number two, think about context. Once you have done a modesty heart check, consider your context. Now, this is both a prudential matter and a matter of limiting your freedom for the sake of love. So you might say, I'm going to wear my pajamas to church. They're loose. They cover my legs fully. It's not a sin to wear pajamas to the gathering. But guess who everyone's going to be looking at? consider your context for the sake of love you know if you want to wear what you want to wear just because you want to exert your right and be a rebel that's not loving that's self-serving 1st corinthians 13 verse 5 love does not insist on its own way 1st corinthians 10 24 let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor the writer to the Ecclesiastes, writer of Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything. Right? There's a time for everything. In the Old Testament there's plenty about clothes. When people mourned, they put on sackcloth. When people attended weddings, they put on festive garments. The high priest wore colorful garments that not only covered his nakedness, but the text tells us it was for beauty and glory. While Peter was fishing, he dressed down. When Jesus called him and he went on to shore, he put on his outer garment. Context matters. Christian men and women are mindful of their context. They are considerate of others. Number three, conscience. Now there are certain styles of clothing. That some women would be comfortable with and others wouldn't. So take sleeves versus sleeveless dresses, for example. Now, again, I want to remind you, these three areas come under the rubric of modest dressing. This is not about you do whatever you like according to your conscience. No, the conscience is not ultimate. Scripture is ultimate. We want to inform our conscience according to Scripture. So really short shorts or a particular way of tying an Indian sari that exposes the midriff, both of these are immodest. They draw attention to parts of the body that are more intimate and alluring. You might say, well, everybody does that, everyone's used to it. It doesn't matter if people are used to it. That only reveals how numb we have become due to overexposure. Again, one female Christian author writes this, She says, this is not something to shrug off as if it is no big deal. Something precious and irreplaceable has been lost when a man's eyes can go up a woman's leg in the same way that they might go up the legs of a cow. So no, I'm not referring to immodest styles. But once we are in the realm of modest clothing... Sisters, Christian women have a tremendous amount of freedom when it comes to clothing styles. All of this does not mean that you cannot be fashionable or good-looking, nothing of the sort. It means examine your motives. Glorify God with your body. Sisters, this is why I have not, I have not mentioned, not even once, what you should wear how low the neckline should be, how short the skirt should be. No, you need to figure that out for yourselves. You need to do a modesty heart check, pass the test of faith and love, and dress to the glory of God. Dress to the glory of God. Sisters, pursue the imperishable beauty of a modest heart. If your heart is captivated by the beauty of Christ, you will love all that is beautiful and pleasing to Him. Modesty is beautiful. It is exquisite. It is lovely. It is graceful. It is absolutely stunning. And it is very precious in God's sight. Let's pray. Father, we confess that Christ our Savior is altogether lovely and altogether beautiful. Oh Lord, we pray that you would transform us by the Holy Spirit of beauty that we may think and speak and act and even dress as men and women who profess the faith. Cause our hearts to be captivated by our Savior's love that we might glorify Him. Oh Lord, would you beautify the bride of Christ. In Christ's beautiful name we pray. Amen.